How's everybody doing? Good. Good, good, good. How many people are thankful for heat? We got a twofold purpose here in this church. We'll keep you warm and we'll let you lose weight while you're here for an hour and a half. It's a free gym membership right here. <laughs> How many people have had a good week? All right, hey, it's okay to be honest. There's no judge. Do you remember back in the day, so long ago, where you could just like sometimes walk into a doctor's office for an appointment? Do you remember that? So long ago, like a couple years ago, where you could just like, you didn't have to really schedule, you could just go in and be seen right away, right? Has anybody been to the doctor lately at all for anything? Okay, all right, cool. Uh, Nikolai just um, started wrestling. Um, that's interesting. That's all I'm going to say. Um, he's, uh, if you know Nikolai, he is a lover. Uh, he looks like a fighter, but he's a lover. And I think he gets that from me. Um, because I know I look like a mean dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I look huge. But I'm just a big teddy bear. Um, and, and man, he just, he just lacks aggressiveness. <laughs> but man, he knows what to do. I will give him that. So I'm hoping that that will work out. But, but trying to get him into a doctor's appointment has been difficult. They, they told me, they were like, well, we're booking into May right now. And I was like, well, wrestling season will be over. So is there anything we can do? And they're actually going to get us in this week. But it's hard. Has anybody found it's hard to get into the doctor? Right? Especially if you just need it because you don't feel good. Not because you have the big C, but just because you know the big C, right? Not because you have that, but you just, you need to get in there, right? And the thing is, is when you get into a doctor, you are willing to do whatever they ask you to do, right? Most of the time. Anybody? How many people fight the system? Yeah, I figured. I figured that's what I had in this, this, this room with me. You know how it is, though, when, you're really, when you really just like you've had enough and you're like, I will do anything, right? Give me a pill. Tell me what I need to do to fix what's going on inside my body, right? You just get to that place. Or you'll even, you'll even go as far as you'll do your own research. Dr. Google, right? Just so you know, I've said this before, just so you know, Dr. Google is going to tell you odds are you're dying. Um, that's what I have found. But we will do our own research and then we will go in and we will like, okay, I, want, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And you're willing to do all of that because you just want to feel better, right? The same thing happens though when we go to God because we're dealing with a soul issue or a spiritual issue or a mind issue is we go to God or we should go to God and allow Jesus to step in and prescribe us some things to make us better, right? Yeah, we, I just went there. We're just, we're, just, we're just diving in right into this. And the thing is though, is when we go to the doctor, his intent or her intent is to do nothing but make the body better right? 
It's just to make you better. It's, it's trying to help you so you can get back onto healthy, whatever that looks like for you, right? You will change your diet. Has anybody ever experienced that? You go into the doctor. They tell me that every time I go in. I don't, I don't get it. I really, t- I'm like, I'm fine, right? But the, you'll change your diet. You'll, you'll change, you'll change. Uh, you'll, you'll start drinking more water. Anybody ever been told that? You'll start taking vitamins that you didn't know existed. Yeah. You'll start doing all of these things with the intent of making your body better. And so when we allow Jesus to step in to take care of our spiritual, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotional symptoms that we have, we get to this place though, where what Jesus prescribes to us is change and a strong dose of truth. And we don't like that, do we? We don't like a strong dose of truth, do we? How many people have enjoyed some strong doses of truth this whole last month that we've been in this series? Yeah, it's hard. I've, I, have, I have talked to enough people in the church that it's funny because a lot of people are like, I hate this message, but yet I enjoy this message. Anybody else feel that way? And I look at some people and I'm like, you should be the one that has to put it together and then preach on it. Knowing what I've just done for the last five days leading up to it. Right? And so this series has been a serious dose of truth and change. Has anybody made some, some changes in your life that you feel like you can long-term keep? Right? Because isn't that the goal? When the doctor tells you, hey, you have high blood pressure, you need to change your diet. Well, the goal is you don't want high blood pressure, right? Sometimes, like for me, I, I'm just going to air out my stuff. Doctor looked at me and he's like, you don't quite have high blood pressure, but you don't quite have good blood pressure. You're right in between. So if you don't make a change, you're going to have to go on a pill. I'm 36. I don't want to be on a pill, right? Anybody feel that? Where you look at your list of pills and you go, I don't want to be on these anymore, right? The only way to get off of them is to do what? Make a change, right? Do something different. And so how many people want to keep complaining? <laughs> hey, it's okay to be honest. It's okay. We're, it's okay to be honest, right? How many, how many people, I complained the other day, Val, I'll just be honest with you so you don't feel bad. I went through a restaurant here in town and I looked at my wife and I said, the only place I have ever experienced my food not being wrong is a place that no longer exists in this town. I don't have to tell you what it is, but it's Burger King. That's the only place that never messed up my order, right? I complained the other day about it. But deep down though, do we really want to keep complaining? I feel like we need to start this message, this series over again, because I'm a... I'm struggling right now a little bit. Do we want to keep being critical? But let me ask you this question. What does Dr. Jesus want you to do? Yeah. I called Jesus a doctor. That's not in the Bible at all. But here's the thing though. He doesn't want us to be like that, does he? 
He doesn't want us to live in complaint. He doesn't want, to live, want us to live in this critical spirit. He doesn't want that for us. He wants us to experience joy, doesn't he? Joy in everything. Now think about that. When we allow Jesus to step in and allow him to do the work that he wants to do in us, the greatest benefit of his working is joy. Just saying the word joy, doesn't it make you think of something that makes you joyful? Like think, what, what, makes, you, what makes you joyful? Let's just, I want to hear a few of them. Tacos, coffee, all right? Substances, your wife. That's a good answer, right? What, all the husbands right now are like, I better say that if I don't say that. If I don't say that, like that, that's bad, right? What, what other things bring you joy? I've heard nobody say kids yet. Okay, thank you. Deep down, even though I get frustrated, my, my boys do bring me joy. The, uh, what was that? Your, yeah, check your animals. How many people have animals that bring you joy? You know what's beautiful? You can be mad at an animal and in the morning, they're still happy to see you. You can't do that with your spouse, right? You can't do that with your kids. Your kids hold grudges. You, you spank them at nighttime before they go to, well, maybe, maybe not everybody does, but my, my house, nighttime is rough. They, they wake up in the morning and like, do you remember what you did last night? I'm like, yeah, I do. And I will do it again before we go to school if that's needed, <laughs> right? But animals, man, yeah. What else brings you joy? Sunshine. Oh, we need that so bad right now. Music. Music. All right. What else? What did you just say? Summer. Summer. Yeah, everybody automatically is like going there, right? There are things that instantly when you talk about them, they bring you joy. Joy is something that's so beautiful, isn't it? It's things that bring you delight. It's things that just, it doesn't matter what's happening, man. Like if I'm in this midst of my joy, Nothing else matters around me. It's something we all want. Is there anybody who doesn't want joy? We all want joy, don't we? We all want that, that, that experience of joy. But doesn't joy tend to be a little elusive to us sometimes? Especially here in Northern Michigan when it's just like 11 months of cold, no sun basically is how it feels, Right? We get a very small glimpse of sun and when it's out, we are not here, right? Like we're like, we're experiencing the sun. And then it only, has anybody ever felt this, that there's only certain people that seem to always have joy? And then we complain about that person, right? (laughs) Right? Like, what do you mean? What are you happy about, right? But the thing is, though, is that even when we get joy, we seem to not have the ability to hold on to it for very long, right? Because something else happens. We get, we get a text message we don't like. We get a phone call that upsets us. We, 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 we just, it, something occurs that just changes the atmosphere. And I think joy is difficult or seems difficult to obtain because I think it's misused and misunderstood. I think at times, I think, well, I'll just start with what joy isn't, okay? Because I think that's easier is when you start with what joy isn't. Joy is not happiness or being happy. Does everybody agree with that? 
There is a difference between joy and happiness because happiness only comes during circumstances that make you happy. Joy is something that the Bible says is everlasting. Right? Happiness is based on circumstances that we want. Right? What makes you happy? Number one thing that makes me happy is when things go my way. Anybody feel that? That's what brings me happiness is when things happen the way that I want them to happen. Do you know what made me happy last week? Both teams that I wanted to see in the Super Bowl, and you can ask Tracy because we talked about it right after church. Both teams I wanted to see in the Super Bowl are in the Super Bowl next week. Yeah, I know. It is next week, yeah. That made me happy. Tracy and I talked until I think like 10.30 at nighttime through text messages. Like, this is amazing. Matt Stafford wasn't the problem in Detroit, right? <laughs> Things like that make me happy though. You know what doesn't make me happy is when Ohio State loses to Michigan. I'm angry. I'm not joyful. I'm not happy, right? So this is where we get to. Do you know the root word of happiness is hap? Which means chance, luck, circumstantial. Happiness is rooted in luck, right? Happiness is rooted in circumstances. Happiness is rooted by chance. Happiness is, just let's say it this way. Happiness is a good feeling based upon good circumstances. If it's a bad circumstance, we're not happy anymore, are we? We can even have a good circumstance, like the heat in this building. Do you remember like a month ago when it was ice cold in here? Now we're sweating. But isn't it easy though to go, oh my gosh, now it's too hot in here, right? Right? I'm just thinking, thank God it's fixed. I can turn it down to 30 and it's still going to be 70 in here. It's amazing. Right? Happiness. But here's the thing though. There's nothing wrong with being happy, right? I mean, we all want to be, God wants us to experience happiness. But what he wants us to experience even more though is, is joy. And joy is completely different. Joy has nothing to do with our emotions or how we feel, but it has everything to do with what we know and what we believe. That's what true joy is. It's what we know and what we believe. In the midst of losing my dad, I chose joy. At his funeral, I said something that is found in the movie Forrest Gump. And I chose to have the joy that my dad had new legs. I chose to live in the joy that my dad was running around with his brother and they were probably playing baseball in heaven. I don't know if that's happening in heaven, but I hope so. 
I have joy that my dad's hanging out with Jesus and he has a much better view than I have right now. I, I live in joy knowing that one day when I'm done on this earth, I get to hang out with him too. And maybe if there is baseball in the field of dreams of heaven, I'm going to get to play with them. But I choose joy over my circumstances. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to get to that place where we can choose joy over our circumstances. But the thing that I know is that God gave us joy. Joy is an attitude. Joy is a mindset. The thing is, though, that's interesting is our attitude, though, is the lens which we look through our life through. What's your attitude today? What, what is your attitude today that you're looking through today? Just think about it. What's the lens today for you? Is it joy? Or is it happiness? <laughs> joy is the attitude that celebrates God's character. Joy celebrates who God is to us. It's anchored in the never-changing nature of our perfect God. That's what joy is. Joy is who God is to us, and it's anchored into how good and faithful he is to us. Joy is convinced that God is willing to help us and trust his ability to do the impossible. How many times have you prayed for something that looked impossible, but God stepped in? and made the impossible possible? How many times have you wanted something, but God knew better, and when he gave you better, you sat back and said, God, that's better than I wanted. Yeah. Right? Joy is knowing God and believing he, do, he will do what he promised to do. How many people are living on a promise right now? where God has promised you something and you're sitting there saying, God, you've promised me one thing and I'm going to hold on to that until it comes true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what joy is. Joy is a solid and firm confidence in God. Bottom line, that's what joy is. It's your firm confidence in God. It's knowing that no matter what comes my way, I can stand firm in God, knowing that is going to be okay. Right? <clears throat> when we intimately know God, it means that we have more than information about him. There's people all over the world that know a lot about God, but they're not intimately tight with him, are they? There's a lot of scholars out there. They're not Christian scholars, but they know the Bible forwards and backwards probably better than some of us do but that doesn't mean they have an intimate relationship with God. It's not about what you know. It's about the actual experience and what's inside your heart. It's about the actual experience in your, your, you're going through with God. The thing is with joy, it doesn't always mean that you're going to be happy that you're going to be bubbly, that you're going to be thrilled. But what it does mean is that you don't have to worry about it because you can rely on God. 
That's what joy is. Is it's in the midst of the hard stuff, not sitting there stressing how you're going to fix it, but worrying about, am I leaning on God in this situation? (laughs) Think about that. How many people have gone through something hard in the last 12 months? Probably most of us. Have you leaned on your own understanding in your own ways or have you leaned on his? Sometimes that's all we have is his because we're not strong enough to do it on our own. That's joy. Joy doesn't mean we're going to be blind to difficult situations or relationships. But what it does mean is that we'll experience peace and have rest in our souls as we journey through those difficult times. There'll be a peace that nothing can give you. Words can't give you. People's hugs can't give you. People's time can't give you. But God's joy can give you that peace. Joy is relief from the mental strain of fear, worry, and anxiety. Does anybody want to rid yourself of those things? Yesterday, we were showing Nikolai the, uh, the ice that has pushed up onto the shore of, of the beach, right? And I forget where I was, but not being from northern Michigan and around ice like that, I read this and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to tell everybody about this. And it was that you shouldn't get on that because you could fall through and either drop into the water or get into a pocket and nobody would know you were there. And so I thought it was a great time to parent my child in that since we're not from here, right? As I'm speaking though, I'm watching his eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he goes, dad, we have to go tell Otto. And I was like, why? He's like, because he could die. And I was like, I was like, oh no, I just created fear inside my son. And then as we walked into wrestling practice on Friday night, he went, dad, should we tell everybody in here? And I was like, no, we shouldn't, right? Fear, that's a real thing, isn't it? Fear. Mm. When we're certain of God's goodness, fear, worry, anxiety have no place to land in our hearts or our minds. When when you can sit and, and you can dwell on God's goodness, the devil has no room to put anything negative in your thoughts or your minds. But we don't always do that, do we? Take our eyes off of him and we put them on other things. Once you have that confidence in him, you have that full moment of joy in him. There's no need to stress or panic. Now there's no need to vent or emotionally vomit on anyone any longer, right? Because you're giving it to him. You're leaning on him. There's no reason for you to go, well, Hey, let me tell you about this, right? It's a rough crowd when it's hot in here. Anybody feel like taking a nap right now? If I was on a stool, we'd be in trouble. (laughs) 
The beautiful thing about joy is joy looks at the situation and joy connects it to the goodness of God. Joy looks at the negative and says, but, but where's the goodness in God? What, 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 is, what does God think about this right now, right? Because we could look at a lot of things. We could look at not getting, not getting the job we wanted. We could look at that as a negative thing, but then joy looks at it and goes, well, maybe it just wasn't time yet, right? We could say, God, I really want this car. Come on, we've all been there. And then, and then you realize I can't get the one I wanted. And God says, joy says, well, yeah, but, but, but God wants you to have something different. God, God knows what you need really, not what you want, right? I wanted the Explorer that was two inches taller with off-road wheels and I could drive it through the woods. $50,000 later, I was like, no, God doesn't want that for me. God wants something affordable for me, right? Because how many people know you're not going to drive a $50,000 vehicle through the middle of the woods? Unless you're probably Nick Wilkham. He may, right? But God knows what I needed, not what I wanted, right? Hmm. Biblical peace, satisfaction, fullness, rest, quiet, Calm, tranquility, and the stillness of the spirit and soul is based solely on the presence of God. You start to feel anything outside of those things, and I'm going to tell you, you're probably stepping out of the presence of God. Right? But we all do it, don't we? We all, we all, we all step out of the presence, and we're only in our own minds. We're only in our own fears. We're only in our own thoughts. And the thing is though, is God's like, please just stay in my presence because I know what's best for you, right? But if we do that, here's the bottom line. We don't have control anymore, do we? How many people like control? We like to dictate what happens in our life. We like to dictate what goes on in people close to us lives. We like to dictate things that we shouldn't be dictating, but we want to dictate things, right? And when we do that, none of us are sitting there saying, God, where's your joy? We're saying, self, make joy happen, right? I've tried to change the way I parent 700 times already. I've read books, listened to podcasts, listened to people much wiser than me who had kids who didn't die, you know, who grew up to be great adults. And you're like, how did you do that? Right? Anybody else do that before? Like you looked at the like adult people and you're like, your kids are so good. What did you do? Anybody else? No. <laughs> And you're going to get there, I promise, because Jenna's, Jenna's good. She's a good one. <laughs> She's still got growing. She's still a kid. <laughs> the thing is, though, is I've tried to do all of that. And then you know what it took was one day my wife just looked at me and said, have you asked God how he wants you to parent? And I was like, hmm, that sounds like a critical spirit. <laughs> but I haven't, right? 
And I just said, no, I haven't. She was like, maybe you should ask God how he wants you to parent your boys. It's funny how God knows things and what's best for us, isn't it? We just got to take the time to sit there and find out where his joy is. Right? We can't do it on our own. Hmm. Joy is not contingent upon our emotions or our external conditions. It's not fragile, but it possesses the full strength and authority of God. Joy can shut the devil's mouth right up. Joy can stop an enemy's attacks right in its tracks. When you can find the joy that he doesn't want you to find, he's just going to stand there and go, I don't know what to do now, right? Like that just took all the wind out of my sails. Hmm. You know who did find some joy? Is David. Anne's already in my notes. David found joy. In 1 Samuel, starts in chapter 27. I'm going to talk out of 30, but I'm going to set this up though, because what happened is, 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 is this is the part where David and his 600 men had, had left because Saul was after him to try to kill him. And so David took his army and their wives and their families and their possessions and they left and they actually started camping in the Philistine camp. So David was essentially with his men's servants to go and help win the wars that Philistine was, was, was going around and, and, and partaking in. He was serving them, helping them because he knew Saul's going to try to kill me. And so in chapter 30, verses four through six, this is when David and his men have gone to war and they're on their way back. And so in verse four, it says this, so David and his men, because, oh, I'm gonna give you a little bit here. When they returned, they realized that the Amalekites had come into their camp and burned everything down and kidnapped all of their wives, all of their kids. They didn't kill anyone. They just took them. But then they burnt down everything that David and his army had. And so in verse four of chapter 30, it says, so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured I don't even want to read that part because I just want to get to where David set up. I'm going to be honest with you. I know how to pronounce it. Don't judge me like that. I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I don't want to read that. I want to get down here where it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord, his God. Can I just tell you, first and foremost, this army of 600 men wept so much that they had no strength anymore. Everything they had was burnt down and every person they loved was gone. And then out of their, their weakness, out of their emotions, out of, out of this draining of emotions that they had, they turned and they looked at David and it said, it's your fault. 
Now think about that. How many times have we been in a situation where we felt like I don't have one more tear to cry and then you stand up and you go, it's your fault, right? And in this moment, David had a lot of choices to make. David could look at his people and go, how do I make all 600 of you happy? Right, that would be human nature, isn't it? When somebody complains to you, what's the first thing you wanna do? Fix it, right? You want to do whatever it takes to make everybody happy. So David could have done that. David could have been like, what do you guys want? What do you want me to do? Because I'll do it if it's going to make you happy, right? There's a song like that. If it makes you happy, right? I did nail it, right? Yeah. We should have, I still say we should have a karaoke night. But think about it though. He had that choice. I could make these guys happy or I could wait until nightfall comes and I could leave and they won't know I'm gone. Then they won't kill me, right? I could just run away from this problem and I won't die and, and I'll, I'll just do my own thing. But instead though, what I love is at the end though, it says, but David found strength in the Lord, his God. David had every right to be, be full of fear, full of panic. And instead what he chose though, was he chose to stop in the moment and find the joy in God. Man, David was a good guy, wasn't he? Because how many of us in the moment like that, when things are out of control, when things are going wrong, when things are happening that we didn't want to happen because our happiness is now gone, how many of us stop in the middle of that and go, God, I just want to find my joy in you. Anybody, anybody do that every time? We might do it once or twice, right? We might, we, might, we might try it. But it's difficult, isn't it? All of those emotions David had a right to feel, those are the perfect cocktail of toxicity that creates complaining, criticizing, mumbling, grumbling, anger, all of those things. But David's response to the tragedy was not to find strength in himself. Not to find wisdom in his own brain, but was to lean on God and lean on his joy. David did not look in the mirror and say, you got this, buddy. Right? David didn't do that. David didn't say, you, sir, have killed a giant. This is nothing. You got this, right? There was no self-motivation, right? Anybody ever been there where you've looked yourself in the mirror and you said, you got this, right? I remember when I interviewed at a job that I thought, man, this is the job I need. I looked in the mirror after I got ready and I said, you look good. You know what to say. You got this job, right? Anybody ever done that? Okay, just nobody. That's just weird. That's fine. Sometimes I got to pump myself up, right? David didn't do any of that. All he did was the Bible said he found strength in God. He didn't go to his best buddy and be like, hey man, make me feel better. 
He didn't go to his friend and say, hey man, what can you tell me that's positive that's going to make me feel good right now? He didn't Google positive motivation quotes, right? He didn't do that. He didn't Google best Bible verses to help me in my issue right now. He didn't do that. He said, God, give me your strength. God, I can't do this, right? And the beautiful thing is, is when he put his eyes on God, he turned his focus off of the issues. 600 angry men who all they wanted to do was stone him. How many people would like to stand in front of that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to stand in front of you if all of you wanted to stone me. That's not 600 people, but it's still scary. And instead of focusing on all of that, he looked up and said, God, I need your strength. God, I don't want to worry about this. I just, I just need you to help me. In Psalms 28, verse 7, He says this, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song, I praise him. Psalm 16, eight and nine says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Joy was a choice that David made. It's the same choice that each of us need to make daily. We can be caught up in our stuff or we can concentrate on the joy of our father. We can be caught up in our circumstances or we can start to look at all of the promises that God has provided us, right? We we can start to, to either focus on the issue or look at the issue and then look at God and say, God, you brought me through that before and you're gonna bring me through this before. I just gotta keep my eyes on you right? It's super easy, but we don't do it. Do we? David in that midst chose to trust God. He chose to put his confidence in God. And it was a decision that only he could make. My my wife loves to say this saying, and she's been saying it a lot lately. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink right? We can be in church for years, but whoever stands up here can't make you take your eyes off of the stuff and put them on him, right? Just can't. Joy is the result of the choice we make. Joy is the result. I just want to say that again. Joy is the result of the choice we make. We make. You know what I think is, is, is cool to do is sit down and write down all the things that God has done for you, big or small, write them down and then put them next to your bed or put them on the mirror in your bathroom so that when you wake up every morning, you've got joy either laying next to you or you got joy in front of you of what God's done for you. Remind yourself what he's done for you right? 
As joy grows in us, peace and hope overflow into our emotions, producing satisfaction and contentment, and they curve the grief and sadness, and they eliminate our stress and anxiety. Does that make sense? Joy does not wait for everything to fall in its place first. That's how we like to operate though, isn't it? I told Lindsay at the beginning of the year, Lindsay, as soon as the fast is over, I'm going to work out again. I wanted to wait until after the fast, right? Everything's got to fall in the right place. I'm not eating everything I should eat. So if I work out, I'm going to really deplete my body. And if I deplete my body, I'm going to pass out. And if I pass out when I'm alone, I could really hurt myself, right? Like I started doing all of that because I wanted everything to fall in its right place, right? We do this with church. God, I hear that you want me to, 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 to do something for you, but I got this thing in my life that I, I just, I just want to get it straightened out first before I do what you want me to do, right? I, I just, my schedule is just all of this and God, I just, I just don't have time to do that right now, but I think in six months, my schedule is going to even out a little bit. And when it evens out a little bit, I promise I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do, Right? We want to make it convenient for ourselves. And God's like, I, just give it to me, please. And do what I ask you to do, right? Joy is not waiting for convenience. Joy's like, I'm here right now, right? And I'm going to show you why it's here right now. Because even though it's, it, it seems like it's difficult to find joy, can I tell you the first thing about it is, is that joy is already inside of you. You don't have to go find it. The moment you said yes to God and asked Jesus into your heart, joy showed up. Have you ever been looking for something and then found it in the first place you went to, but you didn't see it the first time you were there? Yeah, that's joy. Because we think joy is this elusive thing that we can't find but it's been in us all the time. It's just been waiting for us to, to unlock it. We don't have to earn joy. We, we don't have to search for joy. It's already here. Just got to tap into it, right? Syrup. Well, the things that make syrup, right? I don't do it. But I find it interesting that all you've got to do is find the right tree, take the right tool and put it in the right place. And all of a sudden, something's going to flow out of that tree that's gonna make your pancakes and your waffles taste way better. Right? And all we've gotta learn to do in our lives is tap into the right place in our life for God to, outflow the joy that's already inside of us that will make our circumstances and our situations be a lot better in our lives. So basically I just said, joy is syrup. Sweet. We'll go that way. Joy is sweet because it's weird to say syrup. Joy is sweet. 
It makes everything better. (laughs) But we choose to do things differently. Number two, first thing we can do to tap into it is we can tap into joy by reading the Bible. Oh my goodness. It says in Psalm 19.8, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Pastor, I don't like to read. You know what's beautiful? The Bible is in audio form. You can pop some, some earbuds in and listen to it while you work. Right? but it's about getting God's word inside of you so that you can tap into his joy that he has for you. Okay. Dang this warm room. We do. No, that one doesn't work anymore. They were smart about that. (sighs) When we read the Bible, it connects us directly and reveals to us directly God's character. When we read the Bible, it connects us directly to God's character. It unveils who he is to you. It makes it real for you. Because I can tell you who God is to me what he's done for me, the things that he said to me while I read his word, but it's going to be different when you do it for you. It's going to be different when you take the time to tap into his word, to find the joy that you need in your life right now. You can't live off my joy. You can't live off your husband's joy or your wife's joy or your kid's joy or your friend's joy. Who's a spiritual leader in your life. You can't do that. You've got to find your joy for you, right? Number three, we can connect to joy by meditating on his promises. Can I tell you though, the only way we're going to meditate on his promises is if we get them into our hearts. Psalm 119, 162 says, I rejoice in your promises like one who finds great spoil. You ever been spoiled? Just like given stuff that you were like, this is amazing. Or you sat down at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Do they do those anymore? I don't think they do them anymore, do they? I want to find, I do want to find one though. But here's the thing though. If you sit down at an all-you-can-eat buffet, not even sitting down, when you walk through the line, I don't know if you've done this before, but I've walked through and been like, I'm going to get you next. I just got to finish this right now, right? I'm going to come back for you, right? And then you sit down and your plate looks gross because you've just piled it up and you're like, it's all going to the same place anyways. It's fine. But you sit there in front of the spoils and you just sit there and you're like, yes, yes, right? And when you read God's word and he starts to shine a light on the things that all of a sudden speaks to you, you're going to sit there like somebody who's getting spoiled and you're going to go, yes, yeah, I see you, God. Yes, this is joy in my life right now for me. 
That's what that scripture says right there. I rejoice in your promises like one who finds great spoil. I doubt when armies would win wars and go and take everything inside of, of, the, of the, the camp and they looted it. I doubt they walked out with bags of gold going, yeah, this is just a bag of gold. It's just, it's just a thing I got to carry now, right? No, they were probably running and be like, do you see all this stuff I got? And here we walk around. I'm going to hold this up because this is how I read my Bible usually is digitally. But we walk around with this thing that's going to unlock this stuff for us. And we just walk around and be like, it's difficult for me to understand this. There's certain books of the Bible that are boring. You know, the ones that start off with the genealogy of the whole name of where Jesus came from. I hear you, but there are things past those difficult parts that God uses to bring you great joy. He uses so you can take a promise that he wrote in that book and put it inside your heart. And when the devil comes at you, you can say, no, this is my promise. Right? Mm. Number four, we activate joy as we rejoice. Mm. Meditation is an inward action of focusing on God right? Meditating on his word, meditating on his promises. It's an inward action focusing on God's word because we don't sit there and go, I'm meditating on your word. Like we don't do that, right? Yeah, hum. you know, Nikolai does that. I don't even know where he gets that from. It's weird. But the thing is though, is rejoicing is our outward demonstration of what's going on inside of here. The outward expression of what God's doing in here. Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. To rejoice is to be glad and take delight in who God is, what he's done and what he's doing and what he's going to do for you. Rejoicing is putting down payments down for things that God's going to do things that he's doing. It's your way of saying, God, thank you for what you, you're doing and thank you for what's to come, right? That's rejoicing. It's getting it out. <clears throat> when you can outwardly express the joy that God is putting inside of you for what he's done, it explodes, it explodes all over your life. It explodes onto other people because I've been in places where I've watched people worship and rejoice in the Lord and know that they're going through a difficult situation. And I go, man, if they can do it, I can do it. If they can rejoice in their problem, I can rejoice in my tiny problem. I, I, can, I, can, I can say it out loud. God, thank you for being you. Thank you for my promises, right? Joy is the antidote for complaining and criticizing. It's simple. Joy. You have the choice to replace your complaining with joy. To replace your complaint with his promise. You have that choice. I've caught myself in the last week where I went to go say a complaint and went, 
But you know, God, I see your goodness in that situation, right? God, I see why I got a small fry and not a large fry that I ordered, right? But it's that simple, isn't it? What if we just adapted that to everything in our life though? What if we did? You get called into work to work seven days now and you don't get a day off. What if instead of complaining about it, what if you just said, God, I can't wait until this day shows up in my bank account. Right? What if when something breaks down and you got to be the one to go fix it? What if instead of saying, God, I can't believe they broke it. What if you just said, God, this is an opportunity for me to do this and do this joyfully so they can see a different me. I've done it with my kids when they broke something and I'm like, oh, that's money that I don't have. And then I've looked at them and I said, let me show you how to fix it. Right? What if we just flipped the switch and just started putting joy on everything? Right? How many people put salt on everything or dip everything in ketchup to make it taste better, right? Or ranch or whatever. You do that because you want to make it better for you. So what if we just flipped the switch and started taking God's joy and putting it on every situation in our life to make it better for us while we're in it? That's what his word says to do. It's joy. You know who else found joy? And I'm just going to say this quickly. Paul found joy. Paul was in prison writing letters to churches. And the one I want to focus on the most is in Philippians when he's writing to the church of Philippi and he's sitting there and he's, he's in a prison in Rome. And he says, I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The man was in prison and what did he find? Joy. The man was hungry and what did he find? Joy. Because he knew I can do all things through Christ. Isn't that like the first thing we teach our kids? The 10 finger prayer? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We teach them that, but then we don't follow it because it's about joy. Replace the complaint with joy. Even if you got to sit there for an hour to figure out where the joy is, it's better than spending 15 minutes spewing, complaining vomit all over the place, right? That's the whole point of this, is this thing inside of us that we've got to get out of us and replace it with stuff. Get the complaints out and unlock the joy that's already here. Today, as we close, there's, there's two things. I want you to ask yourself these questions. You don't have to say them out loud. You don't have to answer them out loud. It's just this is between you and God. Ask yourself, what do I really believe about God? 
What do I really believe about God? Second thing, do I know his character? Do I know his character? And the third thing, am I intimately acquainted with his nature? Because folks, I can tell you, you could have gone to church your whole life. And some of those questions, the answer is no. You can know the Bible. That doesn't mean you're intimately acquainted with him. And those are your honest answers that you need to look at right now. If you need to write them down, just, just write them down. But, but check yourself. What do I really believe about God? Do I know his character? And am I intimately acquainted with his nature? And as we pray today, I want you to, to talk to him about those answers. I want you to ask those answers honestly. And if you feel like I don't really know the answer, then ask him what the answer is. And then after I pray, we're going to actually bring the teenagers and the leaders up who are going to Spring Hill this coming weekend. And I'm going to have my leaders who are in the, the building right now with me come around them and pray. And then I just want you guys to pray for them for protection and that God will meet them there while they're at the camp and that God will speak and that he'll keep everybody healthy because I know that's always a concern when you take a bunch of teenagers somewhere. Keep them safe, but most importantly, speak to them. And so our leaders don't lose their minds while they're with them. That's also an important thing. But let's go ahead and pray together and then we'll bring the teenagers and the leaders up. God, I come to you today and, and God... This is a challenge for me today. God, being able to pull out the joy in the midst of circumstances. This joy that you've given me, that you've given us, as soon as we accepted you into our lives, God, you gave us joy. But Lord, our circumstances just sometimes keep us from pulling that joy out. God, maybe not knowing you the way we should know you, Father, hinders us from, from tapping into this joy that you have inside of us. But God, I'm tired of complaining. I'm tired of living somewhat defeated when I know that I've got victory. I'm tired, God, of focusing on the issue and, and missing you in every circumstance. God, I'm tired. But God, I know what your promises say. And Father, I don't want to lean on my own understanding anymore. God, I want to lean on your promises today. Because God, if I can lean on your promises, I can tap into the joy that you've set inside of me. God, I pray today that you speak to your people. God, as they ask these questions to you honestly and openly, God, I pray God that you give them the answer, even if it's difficult, even if it hurts, even Father, if, if, if it's something that they didn't realize, God, I pray, Father, that you give them your truth. Because God, we, we just want we want to be better. God, I don't want to be stuck in this, this complaining, criticizing, 
angry place, Father, that we can find ourselves in. But God, I want to I find your joy. I want to tap into that joy, Father, so that I can reflect you in the midst of battles. So I can show people you in the midst of pain. God, I thank you for your joy. I thank you for your joy in the hard situations. I thank you, God, that with joy comes hope. But God, I thank you that you have promises in your word that can be still true for us today. That we can read these promises and we can put them inside of our hearts so that we can unlock our joy, Father God. Speak to us. <laughs> Draw us near, Father, so that we can begin to hear your heart. And God, we can do things through you and not through our own strength anymore, Father. God, I thank you. Thank you for your opportunity through your son. And Father, I pray, Lord, whether someone's in this room or someone's online listening today or later, Father, I pray, God, that you speak to the people, Father, who have never had an opportunity, Lord. Never been at a place, Father, to accept your son and, and unlock that joy in their lives, Father. God, I pray that you wrap your arms around them right now. Let your Holy Spirit speak to them. Let them lay it down today, God. Let them lay down their sins, Father, and take on your Son to reign over their lives today. Let them, Father, just say today, God, that you are the King. That you reign over their lives today. And that from this day forward, Father, that they would live a new life in you. God, I just thank you. Thank you for joy. I thank you for joy when the world says there should be none. <laughs> I thank you for that joy. I love you, God. I gotta have the teens and the leaders who are going on this trip come up. Any of the church leaders, if you want to come up and surround them to pray for them. We've got a good group of kids going. I don't know all of them personally, but we do have a good group. Some of them are not here today, but the ones who are here, we're gonna pray for them. And uh, we're gonna pray over our leaders. Josh, Tristan, and Cassie as they venture to Evart, Michigan on Friday. Evart, not Efart, Evart. Or Evert. All right. Well, I was saying it wrong. Evart, I thought. Evert. Uh, but we're going to pray. Uh, church, if you're still here, just reach your, reach your hands out and pray uh, over these teens and leaders. Father God, we just ask today, God, that, that as these leaders are, are giving up their, their days at work as they're giving up their time, Father, to spend with these teenagers. God, I, I first and foremost want to pray over them, Lord. 
I pray, God, that you give them the wisdom to speak into these kids' lives this weekend, Father. Give them, Father, the strength to stay up late and to have fun. And God, give them the, the, just the openness of their heart, Father, to receive, Father, what you have for them during this trip, God, but to also, Father, the wisdom that you want to speak through them and into our kids, Father. God, I pray over the teenagers, Lord, as, as they go on this trip. I pray first and foremost, God, you keep them safe. Yes. Father, that you, you keep them healthy while they're there, Lord. God, that you protect them on the way there and on the way home, Father. God, Lord, just wrap your, your protection around the vehicles as they travel. But God, I pray right now, God, that starting today, and all through this week, God, that you just begin to speak to them, begin to soften their hearts, Father, so that when they show up on Friday at this event, God, that they are open to what you want them to experience, Father, this weekend, God. I pray, Father, that, that you wrap your arms around them, Lord, and that you love on your kids, Father, as they're going to spend time, Father, and they're going to be, Lord, they're, they're just going to be focused on what you have, God. Father, I just pray, God, that you be God. I pray over that whole campground, Father, that your presence, Father, fill that place, Father, from border to border. And God, that your presence, Father, just be in that house as worship begins and as the speakers speak life, Father God. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity and I thank you for this group, Father. We love you and praise you. Amen.